From OTMP, this is your COVID-19 update. It is Monday, the 31st of May, 2021. The fourth wave in Hong Kong has finally been brought under control, and we have seen a number of days of zero COVID cases. But what does zero COVID mean, and is it a sustainable strategy? For this month's OTMP podcast, Dr. David Owens again sits down with Professor Ben Cowling. They discuss the current zero COVID strategy and the difficulty of managing the transition to normal in the context of high vaccine hesitancy. They again both argue that vaccinated individuals should be treated as if they are immune. They also agree that policy decisions should be based upon evidence-based management of risk. Okay, Ben, well, we finally got down to zero cases in Hong Kong. What do you think about zero COVID? Where does it fit as a strategy? I think for now, in the short term, it's probably the best we can do. It's not a long-term solution, but in the short term, it's certainly better to be at zero than to have a lot of cases in the community. Uh, In the strategy of going for zero COVID, there's really two phases. One of them is if we have cases in the community, we got to get on top of things, get the numbers down to zero. That's already tough. And then the other phase, which we'd like to stay in now for a while, is staying at zero. And for that part, it's really important to limit the number of opportunities for COVID to come in and to spread locally. But these measures, the zero COVID strategy, is really only supposed to be a short term strategy until we get the vaccine coverage up to a high level. And then we don't need to worry about zero COVID anymore because COVID's not going to pose a threat. You've never heard of people talking of a zero flu strategy where we want to be having zero flu cases all year. It's just not feasible as a long-term strategy. But in the short term, because COVID is so much worse than flu, we do prefer to have zero cases right now while we're waiting for people to get vaccinated. Unfortunately, though, in Hong Kong, there's a lot of hesitancy still about vaccination. Yeah, I think the evidence for elimination as a strategy for COVID is pretty strong now, isn't it? That review in The Lancet recently was 25 times less likely to die in a country with an elimination strategy and better economic parameters if we looked at the countries that have, have, have eliminated. But as you say, it's at some point, an elimination strategy needs to switch. I'm not really aware of any serious public health scientists, virologists, experts that I've spoken to who believe that we can eliminate COVID. I think there's a consensus that it's, it's, it's here and endemic and we need to manage it. So how do we switch from an elimination strategy to a normalization strategy? For Hong Kong, the only way out is to get a high vaccine coverage. I don't think we can allow the virus to spread and cause a lot of natural infections. Other parts of the world haven't been so lucky and India most recently have had a lot of infections and they may reach their herd immunity threshold mainly through infections, not vaccinations. But in Hong Kong, we really want to get to that high level of population immunity through vaccinations, probably 70% or even more of the people in Hong Kong vaccinated. And at that point, it would then be safe to go back to normal behaviours. We don't need to worry about COVID coming in because even if people were to get infected, it would be generally mild, like in the Seychelles that it has been recently uh, is a good example. And when it's mild, that means we're not going to, COVID is not going to pose a threat to the healthcare system. It's not going to threaten to overwhelm the number of hospital beds, intensive care beds, ventilators, oxygen supplies, etc. That's been such a problem in the past year. But we can only manage that once we get to that high vaccine coverage. And of course, we've known this for some time, haven't we, that there are only two ways in which we can develop immunity, to 
let the disease burn through where it will do a lot of damage as it's done in India and many other places or, or to vaccinate and we're in this strange situation of having vaccines available and we have the solution in hand but we can't get people to take them what's that all about yeah we're in a kind of limbo because right now it is pretty safe and even some of my own team that I, I really would like to, to see them get vaccinated they're reluctant to get vaccinated uh, one of them said to me the other day that right now there's no risk in the community so no hurry to get vaccinated at the same time they're worried about the possibility of side effects which we know it is really that there's minimal side effects to be worried about for these vaccines but hesitancy is very difficult to overcome when there's no urgency there's no pressing need we're kind of trapped in in limbo because we've done so well we got the numbers down to zero there's not a lot of urgency not a lot of pressing need for in some people's minds to get vaccinated you could contrast with right now in taiwan where i think there'd be enormous demand to get vaccinated whereas until very recently, they were also doing very well with zero COVID. But now the numbers have exploded all of a sudden. And I'm sure that there's a lot of demand now for vaccines in Taiwan. And I, I hope that in Hong Kong, we won't find ourselves in a similar situation in a month or two, where suddenly there's an introduction, a lot of cases, and, and then people really, really want to get vaccinated and almost too much demand. And it's really a shame that people aren't taking the chance now when things are, are quieter to get vaccinated so that we don't have that big rush in the future if, if there was to be another surge in cases. We did a survey recently, which I've discussed with you. We have a very high vaccine uptake in our own population, well over 90% now. And I found it really interesting, the, the comparison of beliefs. If we looked at uh, the individuals who were hesitant, they, as with the Hong Kong University study, indicated that relaxation of quarantine measures would be one of the greatest, most effective nudges. But when we looked at the whole population and asked for various questions around beliefs, the biggest discriminator I found was a belief in the idea that high vaccine level, high immunity level was important in Hong Kong. 97% of the people who vaccinated believed that strongly versus only 22 odd percent of the, mm. of the unvaccinated. Uh, there was a similar around general belief in vaccinations and around trust in family doctors. And that leads me to believe that there's a, there's a significant educational component here. I don't think the message has got across that we are you know, metaphorically sitting in a tinderbox full of petrol and nobody's smelling the petrol because they're all wearing masks. It's, it's uh, probably not a great metaphor, but I think we, you know, we have not got the message out that people are, are at risk because we cannot keep this disease out forever, at least not without uh, killing our economy. Yeah, I think it's it, it's really been difficult in the last few months when we see this widespread availability of vaccines. Anybody can, can go and register uh, to get a vaccine even the next day. Uh, in other parts of the world, that's unheard of. Uh, even now, most parts of the world, you couldn't do that, um, especially for younger adults. Um, and, and so it's really kind of disappointing. I don't know how to how to solve it now. That article that you sent me from the, the CDC, I, I thought was a really interesting idea, wasn't it? That broadly said, look at the beginning, we, we were all in this together. Mm. Everybody had to uh, wear masks. Everybody had to observe social distancing because we had to look after each other because we were all in exactly the same position and at the same risk. Whereas now they use this idea of, of three different groups. Mm. The, the, People who are vaccinated pose almost no risk 
to people who are not vaccinated because they're not going to pass the infection across. And people who are uh, not vaccinated um, pose almost no risk to the vaccinated because they're immune. Mm. And so really the unvaccinated pose the threat to the unvaccinated. And as such, there's an argument that says let's let's treat everybody like responsible independent adults let them get on with it make their choices and 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 of course as public health officers it's hard to accept that you're going to let the disease burn through but i heard professor lung talk yesterday about maybe there will be a need for experiential learning how do we do that yeah i I certainly i on one hand i can't say i'd like there to be more infections in hong kong but at the same time i've already been advocating uh, in my interviews and in social media that that i think uh, it's been long enough that that uh, we've been doing these measures and now that people have chosen to get vaccinated, they should be exempt from wearing masks, from doing the social distancing, from the other kind of things. Uh, vaccines are not one hundred percent. There's still a very small risk that a vaccinated person could be infected, and it's going to be generally very mild. Uh, there's even still a risk that a vaccinated person could be infected and even pass on infection. But that's a really much much lower risk than it would have been if that person was unvaccinated. So it's true that vaccinated people really pose a minimal risk to unvaccinated people. And I, I really don't like the argument that, that as, a, as a vaccinated person, I should still be wearing a mask to protect the people around me that have chosen not to get vaccinated. If they choose not to get vaccinated, that's their choice. It's okay with me, but I don't understand why I still need to wear a mask, why I, why I still need to do the, the other measures um, to protect them when they've chosen not to protect themselves. Now we have to be a little bit careful because there are some people in Hong Kong who can't be vaccinated younger children, for example, and there's some people in Hong Kong who maybe have serious allergies or immune problems, and so they they can't be vaccinated or the vaccines wouldn't work. But in the longer term, we've got to figure out solutions for for those groups that can't get vaccinated to protect them against COVID if it's justified. And bear in mind that for younger children, we don't tend to take a lot of special measures to protect them from mild respiratory illnesses from year to year. We don't do a lot of things to, to, to stop flu spreading. If there are outbreaks in schools, then the schools might might close temporarily. But um, on a day-to-day basis, there's not an awful lot that we'll do to protect against mild infections. So to me, the biggest concern would be people in the community that are vulnerable to severe COVID, maybe can't get vaccinated because of allergies or or because they've got immune system issues that, that the vaccines wouldn't protect them. But in general, I, I really think it's time to relax measures for vaccinated people because they've done what they can. And looking forward to the coming year, the coming two years, three years, we won't need to do these measures indefinitely. They're just supposed to be emergency measures, masks, social distancing, quarantines and so on. So I think once people have got vaccinated, that's as good as it's going to get and can just relax the, the measures for them. And that may be an incentive then for other people who haven't been vaccinated yet to choose to get vaccinated as well, to also get the benefits of relaxation of all those measures. Yeah, I think we've both argued and both agree, don't we, that uh, we need to treat vaccinated individuals as if they are immune and and move towards a a more normal management of of vaccinated individuals. The government has made clear that their policy is is, is predominantly driven by uh, reaching zero cases and opening up with, with China, with the mainland. And I just, looking at the data from, from, from China, now and i think you have more data than i do but it's they're beginning to accelerate in terms of the vaccination rates up to 60 percent in beijing and and 40 percent in major cities i mean i'm getting the sense that china is now 
pushing the vaccinations and will probably be at high vaccine levels by late summer, autumn. Yeah, I think so. So for us in Hong Kong, I know we've got this current strategy of zero COVID, which is a good idea for, for the time being. And if we can stay at zero, there's the possibility we could have a bubble with the mainland, with other parts of the world as well. And I wrote about this exact scenario a few months ago in an article saying, explaining that actually zero COVID could be an attractive longer term strategy for Hong Kong because of that bubble with the mainland and, and other parts of Asia. But myself, I, I think it's fragile. We've seen in Singapore and Taiwan very recently that cases can suddenly appear in the community and then numbers can almost explode. In Taiwan, there's really been a lot of infections in the last couple of weeks. And Hong Kong faces that fragility as well, that things seem quiet now. But if you remember back to November, December, it was, things were quiet. And then all of a sudden we had 100 cases a day within a couple of weeks. Um, and so I think that the idea of zero COVID is, is really a fragile strategy it can work and it can be a good aim in the short term to protect public health but i don't think it's something we should be aiming for in the long term and i'm a little bit worried that in hong kong we're heading down the path of zero covid for another year or more and we're not going to get those bubbles with other parts of the world for very long because in singapore they're going to go back to normal and that means they're not going to have zero covid in the mainland once the vaccine coverage gets up to 60 70 percent in the big cities they're going to start going back to normal as well, relaxing the quarantines and relaxing some of the other measures that have been in place. And so we'll be left behind. We'll be one of the few places in the world, an island of zero COVID, but without without people being able to travel freely, without the tourists that, that brought in money to the economy, because we're having to maintain zero COVID with the strict quarantines on arrival and then the other measures uh, domestically, if necessary. Yes, I think... It, it's it's not only the tourist economy that's impacted, to be honest. When I talk to our own patients, we're seeing the biggest exodus of, mm. of, of patients from our population group since 2003, mm. really. And I think there's a number of factors related to that, but the I suspect the tipping point is becoming the normalisation of, of life in Europe and in the US, particularly around people with young children and, and you know, university educations, the, the idea of uh, guaranteed normal schooling mm. and even businesses. I, I'm dealing with senior business people on a daily basis and it's becoming increasingly difficult to function as an, an international city with a three-week quarantine window. And it's you know, we know public health interventions are, are a balance between the impact of the disease and the impact of the economic costs of the of, of, of the measures. And of course, poverty is 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 the, is the single biggest driver of health. And I'm I'm seriously worried that we're going to do more damage to our population from you know, the impact of the economic fallout. Than, than, than is going to be done from the disease. Yeah, it's a shame. We've done so well in the, the first year of the pandemic to keep the case numbers to such a low level. And then we got the vaccines in, in February and March, started using them. We got enough vaccines now either in Hong Kong or promised to us and ready for delivery that actually over the summer we could be hitting 60, 70% coverage if people had chosen to get vaccinated. And at that point, Hong Kong as a city could go back to normal. We could go back to... to international travel and not worry about being quarantined. That's not to say that we'd have zero cases and there might still be a need for some 
social distancing from time to time. Maybe you still need to wear masks on the underground. But in general, we could be going back to pretty much normal. But that hasn't worked out. And I, I think we're all waiting now to see if the government's going to figure out some ways to encourage vaccine uptake because it's really down to the government now. We've seen some private businesses take the initiative and offer incentives and bonuses for their staff to get vaccinated. But I can't imagine that being something that happens across all, all businesses in Hong Kong. Some will, but, but probably not all. And uh, there's still an awful lot of hesitancy. Our, our latest data from our surveys is is that about 40% of people are either have been vaccinated or planning to get vaccinated soon. And we've seen the first doses approaching 20%. It's about 20% now. So there's still more people that are going to sign up for vaccination, but but we're not going to get towards 60, 70, 80% uh, in the in, in the near future unless something changes well i guess it seems strange to be sitting in an environment with one of the most effective public health interventions if we look back there are many parts of the world that would have really swapped with hong kong at many stages over the last year we have low mortality low disease prevalence we've had relatively normal life and and we have lots of vaccines and mm. what a strange situation to be in where we're feeling this is possibly the least optimistic of our talks really because we don't see any obvious solution without I think more decisive and positive active government intervention to, to manage the, the narrative in a way that educates people and encourages people to be vaccinated. We've both argued against mandatory vaccination and I still believe that we shouldn't have mandatory vaccination but we do have to give positive messaging and rewards to people who are vaccinated. I think there's too been too much focus on the negative and I really strongly feel that we need to reduce the quarantine lengths and begin to normalise and accept that if a little bit of disease gets into the community that may well drive vaccination rates and I know that that's a difficult scenario to accept but given the choice between two difficult decisions, that would be my view. Yeah, I think, well, there's two different reasons why we have quarantine in Hong Kong. One is for the close contacts. And that's one of the many strategies we use to slow down transmission in the community, if there is transmission in the community. So we'll, maybe the family members and the other close contacts uh, who may have been exposed to infection will go to quarantine. Now, in my opinion, if, if those close contacts have been vaccinated, then there's much less justification to send them to quarantine because they're much, much less likely to have been infected, except for maybe the scenario of a husband and wife or something where there's still relatively more exposure. Um, I think overall in quarantine for close contacts in the past year, it's been running at about 5%. So of every 20 people sent to quarantine as close contacts, one of them turns out to be positive, the other 19 are not. And that's the disruption to 20 people's lives that we we think about as maybe being justified for public health reasons because it does limit the transmission from that one case that's been caught in quarantine. But if we start saying that we're going to quarantine vaccinated people where the risk is either 50% or 95% lower than that, than, than the original 5%, then it, it starts to get less justified in my opinion. I think it'd be perfectly reasonable if the government said vaccinated people no longer will need to go to Penny's Bay if they're close contacts. We still have to figure out what happens if there's children involved because children can't get vaccinated. But maybe we could figure out a solution with home quarantine for families where the parents are vaccinated and the children are not. Uh, for the on-arrival quarantines, that's a, a different issue for Hong Kong right now because we're aiming to stay at zero and any introduction uh, would, would pose a risk to us. But we're quarantining people for seven or 14 days who come in from places where there are zero cases already, like New Zealand and in, in previous months like Singapore and Taiwan. So I don't think that's necessary. I think we could look at a risk-based model where 
where if there's a lot of activity in a in another part of the world people coming from there sh maybe should be quarantined but if if there's a place in the world with with zero cases like new zealand if it's singapore in the future somewhere else those pe people from those places don't need to go into quarantine especially if they're vaccinated because that's a minimal minimal risk to hong kong and what i've heard is the opposite argument that there's still a risk that someone who's vaccinated could be infected and we can't take the risk but we take risks all the time in our daily lives we cross the road we we get on a, a bus and sit on the best seat at the, the front which is the most dangerous seat to sit in there, there's all sorts of risks that we take in in daily life that we just accept and I, I i don't agree with the principle that we have to have zero risk for for covid i think we have to measure the risks and at the same time if relaxing quarantine can be a strong incentive for vaccination then i think that's something that should be seriously looked at um, as a way to in, encourage vaccine uptake to increase vaccine uptake and ultimately let us go back to normal totally agree about risks it's it's about mitigation we can never eliminate risks from life and at the risk of being controversial i'll leave it there and uh, hopefully we'll catch up in a, another month or so where we'll have 60 percent uptake and yeah I hope, something changes. I, I hope something changes and then we can we can have some positive news that the vaccine uptake is going up again yeah because they certainly work mm. well thanks very much uh, for the chat ben and we'll catch up again in another month or so great the links to the academic papers and surveys discussed in this podcast are available on our website at www.otmp.com. In our next podcast, we interview a mental health professional about her experience of managing the psychological impact of the pandemic in addition to the personal trauma she experienced with compulsory quarantine. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to like, share and subscribe. And please feel free to comment. Thank you for listening.